In a little bit, we are going to welcome Ned Stabler, who's the president and CEO of TechTown Detroit, who made a really impassioned speech in front of the Wayne County Board of Canvassers yesterday before Republicans on the board reversed course and voted to certify the election results. We're going to talk to him about what he said and what the feeling really was as this was going on. But first, I want to welcome somebody who knows more about elections and election law uh, in our state than just about anyone else I know. Chris Thomas helped oversee voting and poll challenges here in Detroit uh, in this election and was Michigan's elections director for 36 years. Chris Thomas, welcome back to Detroit Today. Good morning. Yeah, good to hear you. Let's start with uh, your reaction as someone who helped oversee our elections in Detroit this year when Republican members of uh, the Wayne County Board of Canvassers initially said they were not going to certify the election results. Well, I was quite surprised to see that unfold yesterday. Um, the, The Wayne County clerk staff had done a remarkable job over the last 14 days of preparing the canvas, uh, gathering all the information, doing rechecks, all that's required to have a good canvas. And I was surprised that uh, two of the board members uh, rejected that in favor of um, basically a deadlock to hand it off to the Board of State canvassers to finish their job. Um, Fortunately, the uh, bright light of public comment um, seemed to have changed the day, which uh, is something I'm very pleased occurred. You have been someone who has been involved in elections in this state, as I said, for four decades. Talk to us about how rare it is for a local board of canvassers to refuse to certify election results and talk about how the entire process of canvassing is normally quite nonpartisan and that that was one of one of the things that made this so unusual yesterday yes um the canvassing board is a is really that process of 14 days after the election is basically doing the checks and the double checks to ensure that the vote totals that uh, were reported unofficially on election night and the day after um, <clears throat> conform with the actual tapes that came out of the tabulators. It's, um, it's an audit of a sort, um, and, and that's really the first of two steps after the election. Uh, they collect all of their information that's provided by the city and township clerks. Um, they compile it. They certify it with a vote, and they send it to the Board of State canvassers. And their job is to take the 83 canvases from the 83 counties uh, who have boards doing the same thing that the Wayne County Board of Canvassers does and um, compile those so they come up with an official statewide result for statewide candidates and judicial candidates and those candidates that cross county lines. Uh, it's all rather routine, um, really not uh, usually a high-spirited uh, affair. It's almost, when they reach certification, uh, more of a ceremonial process. 
so this year is way out of the ordinary. The law does provide that if a board does not certify within 14 days, that it automatically moves to the Board of State canvassers. And that's designed to make sure that a county board can't just refuse to certify and throw an election into question. So what would have happened uh, would have been an interesting process to watch. Uh, Thankfully, uh, it didn't. So we didn't have to bring the Board of State canvassers to Detroit mm-hmm. to uh, finish up the work of the Wayne County Board. And and uh, your involvement in Detroit elections this year uh, happened in part because the state got involved uh, to try to clean up some of the things that we've had difficulty with uh, in the past. Uh, you, you know, the, the, the clerk's office here um, is, in my opinion, pretty badly underfunded. Uh, it, it, it has a lot of needs that are unmet. Uh, and, and as a result, it's harder to conduct an election here than it is uh, in other places. Uh, talk about the things that, that you guys did in this election that were intended to, and, and in the end, were successful uh, at making this an extraordinarily efficient and uh, and 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 uh, productive uh, election with with in, with real integrity. I mean, there were lots of things that were done uh, that that made the doubt that is being cast uh, on these votes uh, even more uh, inappropriate, I think, than they than it would have been uh, e- even in the primary uh, election that we had just a few months ago. Well, I was fortunate. Um, You know, my involvement uh, with Detroit was really at the request of Janice Winfrey. And uh, we've talked over the years and uh, throughout this year as well. I've always remained as a a source for her to call with questions. And she asked me in early September if I would come on board for three months. And I was happy to do that. I was happy to see that Daniel Baxter was brought back to uh, run the uh, Absent Voter Counting Board at TCF. <clears throat> and uh, always good to work with George Zeus, who's the uh, director there. Mm-hmm. So you're correct. Um, Detroit, like a lot of larger cities, uh, have not had all the resources necessary in the past uh, to do what they need to do. This year, they've received resources. And with these resources, they've done some phenomenal things. Um, One is high-speed tabulators. Um, Prior to this election, uh, or this election year, these ballots were basically hand-fed into precinct tabulators. And I can't imagine uh, how long it would have taken to hand-feed 170,000 uh, mail ballots into a, into precinct tabulators. So that was a huge step forward to get this high-speed technology mm-hmm. uh, organized at the TCF Center. And that really assisted. Uh, they've also added some other uh, internal technology that's allowed them uh, to do a little better job with ballot tracking. And then, of course, uh, there was a great increase in terms of access. Uh, we ended up with 21 satellite sites, 30 drop boxes across the city, 
uh, all of this uh, at, at some expense, um, bringing people in, uh, Detroit employees off furlough <clears throat> to uh, staff those offices, and they had a great turnout in those offices. There were days when more people dropped off uh, ballots at drop boxes than what the post office delivered. So people took to heart the issues that were going on with the post office and used those facilities. Um, the pay was increased for inspectors. Mm -hmm. um, there were times when Detroit had difficulties filling all the slots or having enough alternates when people didn't show up. Well, when the pay was increased, um, we were able to get the staff that we needed. So all in all, uh, Detroit had some great resources this year, and the clerk and um, her staff uh, put those um, into effect and I think ran a great election. There's always room for improvement. I think they've learned a lot, and uh, they'll making, be making adjustments uh, <clears throat> as they go forward. They've got an election next year. Um, but this was really um, a turning point in terms of a whole new set of technology and a, a lot of new precinct workers. A lot of young people uh, stepped up, which was uh, very heartening to see. Mm. So it came together. Um, there, there were a few glitches here and there, but not, not of any great significance. Mm -hmm. um, when you run an election, basically with the largest part-time workforce in the state, uh, <laughs> you're not going to get perfection, but you got a good election. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, of course, the Republican board members who reversed their votes are also demanding that uh, the Michigan Secretary of State can conduct a, quote, comprehensive audit of what they are calling unexplained precincts. Uh, what kind of audit are they demanding? And do you know what they mean when they say unexplained precincts, this, this question of balanced and unbalanced uh, counts? Well, I will say one thing. There has been so much made that is really over the top on this balance and unbalanced issue. Um, Yes, they should be balanced, and everyone strives for balance. Mm -hmm. But just because it's unbalanced at the canvas does not necessarily mean it won't be recounted if there were a recount. And everyone hangs their hat on that hook, and it's just an inaccurate statement that has been made. So the staff at the county uh, is limited. They only have so many people that in 14 days can touch uh, so many precincts, not just in Detroit, but across Wayne County. There were several jurisdictions in Wayne County that had the same difficulties as the city of Detroit. And in fact, there are several jurisdictions across the state of Michigan that have the same issues as the city of Detroit. This is not a Detroit issue. Um, this is a great issue to have a problem. Way, way, way high number of voters turning out. So when this precinct is unbalanced and they call it unexplained, it's because they have not had time to go in and do the look inside that because it might be one ballot, two ballots, three ballots off. Mm -hmm. uh, there might be two names more in the book than there are ballots in the can. So those are issues that have not been explored yet. 
so maybe unexplored would be a better term hmm. than unexplained. And and the idea of this this audit is that is that something that that uh, is a reasonable request? Is that something that is itself extraordinary? Is that something that is likely to show any of the quote unquote improprieties that uh, that Republicans have been alleging? took place here in Detroit? It'll show no improprieties. It will show that some bookkeeping may not have been up to snuff. It may show that um, a ballot envelope showed up with no ballot in it and the worker forgot to write that into the poll book, which would be explained, see? So if you come up with one ballot short and the poll worker would have put a remark in saying, hey, we opened an envelope and there's nothing in it, um, there's your explanation, and there's no problem. Um, and that happened. I saw that happen. Um, I saw, you know, people send back their August primary ballot. You know, those things happen, and that's just just the way it is. Uh, these audits would show absolutely no impropriety. They would uh, basically balance several of those precincts, and they might end up at the end of the day with a handful that. You know, just there were no notes left, and so you know the bread trail is uh, is it comes up dry. Mm. So I don't, you know, I we've done that before when I was at the Bureau of Elections. We did some audits of various jurisdictions. Uh, it's no more is doing no more than what the county board staff ran out of time to do. Mm. And look, the Secretary of State is going to do a statewide risk-limiting audit. Right. I mean, they've done that um, after the, uh, certainly after the March primary. Um, and I'm sure they're doing that um, per the constitutional amendment. And that will cover uh, those ballots as well uh, in the uh, absent voter counting board. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Chris Thomas, uh, Michigan's former elections director, one of the foremost experts really, on elections here in our state. It was really great to have you here to help us think through what happened yesterday and what's to come in election 2020. Thanks very much for joining us. Thank you, Stephen. We're going to take a break and when we come back, we're going to catch up with Ned Stabler, president and CEO of TechTown Detroit, who made a really impassioned speech in front of the Wayne County Board of Canvassers yesterday. Uh, We'll talk about what he was feeling at that point and what the chaos and strain was like during this extraordinary meeting yesterday. We want to hear from you as well. What do you think of this change of heart about certifying Wayne County's election results? What do you think of the Republican members of the board who said they would love to certify votes outside the city of Detroit, but not those for people who live here. As always, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. News, music, culture, and community. Every day on 1019 WDET. Detroit's NPR station. The law isn't on your side, history won't be on your side, your conscience will not be on your side, and Lord knows, when you go to meet your maker, your soul is going to be very, very warm. 
That is the voice of Ned Stabler, president and CEO of TechTown Detroit, going off on Republican members of the Wayne County Board of Canvassers last night when they initially voted against certifying election results in Wayne County, a move they later reversed. Stabler's speech during a public comment period has since gone viral on social media, and he joins me now to talk about yesterday's very bizarre and very disturbing turn of events. Uh, Ned Stabler, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi, Stephen. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So uh, th- this was an extraordinary uh, <laughs> moment yesterday for any number uh, of reasons. And I, I was uh, watching as it was unfolding. I was watching on social media. And then, of course, uh, I saw a video of you talking about this decision uh, by Republican members to say, hey, we don't want to certify this vote. Uh, they didn't give very good reasons. Uh, but but give us a sense of that moment and what what moved you to say the things that you did uh, in the way that you said them. So, you know, we were all watching this process and we're um, – I, I guess the word is probably offended. Um, you know, Chris Thomas just laid out sort of the procedural nature of everything that was happening mm-hmm. and how everything was being followed appropriately uh, and done. And that, that frankly, there isn't, you know, although people like to the president or whoever likes to make tweets and whatnot, there, there really isn't a whole lot of drama around it. It's counting. It's, it's not that complicated. Um, but in the high volume, obviously there's some challenges with that. So, mm-hmm. Similarly, the certification should be about the same. You know, the staff and the, the clerks and, and folks lay out everything that happened, all the results, some of the unexplained uh, imbalances and things like that. And then the board has one job, and that's to certify it. Uh, and they're allowed to say, we certify it, but we'd like people to look at, you know, this problem or that problem in an after-action audit. But it, it, and, and when they were going through all the problems, several times, it got brought up that there were actually, on a per capita basis, much bigger problems in places like Livonia, uh, which is 95% white, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. So when they didn't certify, which we were upset about and offended because so many of us had spent so much time you know, trying to make sure the process was as, as transparent and clean as possible. But in their own arguments, the, one of the board members actually said she would agree to certify everything but Detroit. And that's when people... Uh, you know, to, to say to say colloquially, like, lost it. Yeah. Because I don't understand what is Detroit uh, relative to these other places. Why would you not certify Detroit uh, and you would certify Livonia, which you just heard from staff? They have more problems. So, um, you know, we know what that is. If you, you you've lived in Detroit for a long time, I have as well. Um, we know what that means. That Detroit, there's a perception that Detroit, because it is a uh, overwhelmingly majority black city is lesser is corrupt is 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 wrong is inefficient and effective i mean that's believe me i've gotten 500 emails since midnight telling me that <laughs> um and here was a public official saying the quiet part out loud that you know she'd happily endorse a 95 percent white set of uh, votes even though there were problems but not an 80 percent black set of votes where there were fewer problems so that's when people kind of lost it yeah yeah um, you and I have had this conversation for about four years, really intensely at times. Uh, 
about what's going on with the Republican Party and and what the response uh, ought to be both inside the party and outside. Uh, but I think, as you point out, last night was was a moment where you know the the the, the difficulty uh, coming up with a reasonable response to what is going on in the, in the Republican Party was was on absolutely splendid display that that um, that there is no there is no cover for the racist impulse that's driving this there is no cover for the move toward disenfranchisement uh, which is their strategy at this point not just in terms of trying to make sure that Donald Trump ends up being the winner of the election a few weeks ago, but the idea that uh, they can inculcate minority rule for a little longer in this country. I mean, it, it really is as stark as I can ever remember uh, it being in the last uh, in the last few decades. I agree. And, you know, better political scientists than me, I only pretend to be one on, on, on talk shows occasionally, um, are going to do I think postmortems on this election and put it in the context of 40 years of of the Republican Party making that shift you know with the southern strategy and that you know came further on into birthing the Tea Party and now into sort of the Trumpian wing uh, of the party um and in, in in I hope I'm a little frustrated with what I've seen already is that they're going to ask the GOP to say what who are you and where are you? And, you know, are you in the wilderness, so to speak? Um, so far, all I've seen is the usual hand-wringing from how come Biden didn't win bigger, mm. <laughs> which I think is silly. He's going to get 80 million votes, more than any, you know, far more than any presidential candidate in history. He's going to win by six or seven million and 72 electoral college votes. That's a blowout. Um, and yet the narrative is not going to be, let's let's figure out what's wrong with the Republicans. It's going to be, how come he didn't do better? But the Republicans... And I actually wrote a piece on this. It was in Business Insider yesterday morning before all this happened. And it was, you know, I think five people read it. I guess is more will now. Um, that, that, that laid out exactly what you said, Stephen, is that you know, the Democratic Party has long recognized that their strength is in numbers. Their strength is in de- the demographic shifts in this country. And it's going to continue to support policies that support the majority of Americans. Now, I, as a Democrat, would argue that's what we should do um, anyway, mm-hmm. uh, regardless of the electoral impulse. But the GOP has, instead of doing what one might call rational thought of shifting their policies to be more, you know, supportive of, of by more people, has decided that it's going to play the technical games of gerrymandering and uh, using the Electoral College, et cetera, et cetera, uh, to try and hold on to power. And that's just not a long-term strategy uh, that's going to be effective. Yeah. I'm talking with Ned Stabler, president and CEO of TechTown Detroit. Uh, he made a really impassioned speech in front of the Wayne County Board of Canvassers last night before Republicans on the board reversed course and voted to certify our election results. They had earlier said that they did not want to certify those votes. And one of them said she would happily certify all the Wayne County votes outside the city of Detroit, but not those inside uh, a statement that I can't describe as anything but racist. Uh, if you want to join the conversation, give us a call. Tell us what you thought of what happened yesterday at the Wayne County Board of Canvassers. Give us a sense 
of what you think about this Republican strategy, uh, not just here in Wayne County or in Michigan, but really all around the country to go and try to disqualify ballots that were cast mostly by African-Americans and other black and brown people uh, for Joe Biden uh, as a way of somehow handing the election to Donald Trump, uh, who is uh, still, for at least a couple more weeks, the president of the United States. As always, uh, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Facebook and Twitter, put comments there, and uh, we will try to work you into the conversation. Let's start with Jack in Boston Edison. Jack, welcome to the show. Thank you, Stephen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've lived in Detroit for the last 50 years. I'm a Millican Republican. Mm-hmm. Um, An endangered species, I would say. <laughs> yeah, I'm afraid so. But um, when I heard that somebody wanted to come in and from outside and disqualify my vote. I wasn't the only one who was furious. So was my wife. Mm. We're white, but we're in Detroit. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. I want my vote to count. Yeah, right. Your vote wouldn't have counted either. I mean, this was, this was a blanket disenfranchisement that was, that was attempted last night. Um, you know, um, Jack, I wonder. I wonder what you make of the party that you uh, that you support and and probably cast votes for in in many instances, and and what its future looks like. This this strategy of trying to make sure that the other side can't cast votes uh, is, is there a future in that from your perspective? Ah. Uh. I'm really afraid that my Republican Party is gone. Mm. Um, I did support the Lincoln Project this year. Uh, there are still some Republicans around who I think are rational. Mm -hmm. But I'm sorry, some people are not thinking. Yeah. Jack, I, I really appreciate you listening. I appreciate your calling and, and, and sharing your perspective. And that's something to really think about as well. I, I'm really focused on the f effect of this effort on African Americans who are the majority population uh, of this city and many of the cities where this same kind of strategy is, is being attempted. But there are a lot of other people who would also be disenfranchised if uh, if they were successful at at doing these things, and that collateral damage matters as well. So, uh, Jack, thanks very much for calling and sharing that with us. Let's go to Derek on the West Side. Derek, hey. welcome. Good to the morning, show. sir. Hey. How you doing? Good. How are you? I'm all right. First, I want to say what you started off your show with. Mm -hmm. Thank you, because you said exactly how I felt last night. Mm. Mm. Thank you. Yeah. I just couldn't believe it. I mean, it was so blatant. It was so blatant. And they think this is cool. So yeah. thank you. The way you said it was all I wanted to say. All I wanted to say was thank you. Oh, <laughs> okay, Derek. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. Uh, it's not the kind of thing 
I want to be starting our show with. It's not the kind of thing I want us to have to say. But it is where we are, and I, I, I don't know, um, I don't know how we how we get back to a more sane conversation about legitimate differences that we have in this country, and not these really visceral and guttural gestures toward absolute and unadulterated bigotry, which uh, which is what we saw on display last night. Uh, Derek, I appreciate the, the call and the comments. Let's go to Chris in Detroit. Chris, welcome to the show. Hey, Stephen. Uh, uh, thanks. Uh, and I, I uh, agree with the last caller. Thank you so much for opening the show like this. I'm just going to keep it brief. You know, I'm a younger, you know, white man living in the city. This isn't my first election in the city, but it's definitely the most important one I've ever voted in. And when I heard, you know, the announcement on WDT, just the brief that, you know, that this canvassing board had gone deadlocked on partisan lines. You know, I was absolutely mortified and I felt initially personally disenfranchised and it stung and hurt in a way that I've never experienced as it relates to my own um, vote. And then I got to thinking, well, why am I so sorry for myself? This just validates everything that I've heard throughout my education about the realities of what Black people have been against for the entirety of our their voting existence mm-hmm. in our country. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one thing when you hear it in the classroom or read about it in books or articles or something like that. You know, I've always believed it, but I've never seen it personally or felt it personally. The concept that, you know, some low-level bureaucrat is going to choose to try to deny an entire city that just happens to be 85% black and overwhelmingly Democratic in their vote to deny the entire city its vote, including mine, mm-hmm. but more importantly, my neighbors, people who go and work the polls, you know, people who are serious about their voting rights because they know that it's something you have to fight for. I've seen it in these people who who are my neighbors and, you know, and, and, and other people in the city. And I, all I can say is this is the first time in my life where this was palpable. I understand that it's real. And I'm so sorry that this is the reality. And I am so grateful for all the people who were on that call last night, who are obviously vigilant about the potential that the vote could be stolen. And, you know, if there's any resources, you know, that you would suggest or any of, you know, your guests for how to get involved, just to make sure that something like this doesn't ever happen. Yeah. uh, I would appreciate it. Uh, Chris, I really appreciate the call, uh, and your thoughts, you know, you know, Ned, uh, I think this is a moment where we can really focus on the call to white Americans, not just white Republican Americans, but all white Americans to get more involved and to be more vigilant about the ways in which some white Americans uh, are pursuing political interests that that are absolutely about suppressing uh, the rights of African-Americans, and it's not just voting rights. There's lots of other instances of this. But we often talk about this and think of it as a black problem, as a problem of black people. And it is, but it's not one that we can fix on our own. And the importance of speaking out, as you did last night uh, at the canvassers board meeting, um, you know, it, 
it's critical. It's it. We can't get past this moment if we don't get more people standing up and saying this is not okay, and I won't stand for it anymore uh, than African Americans will. Ned, do we still have you there? I think we may have lost Ned. Um, Okay, well, we will get Ned Stabler back on the phone to continue and finish this conversation. Meanwhile, let's go back to the phones. Uh, Sue in Corktown. Sue, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you. Hi, Stephen. I want to thank you for your introduction, your editorial, if you will. It was very, very compelling and moving. Thank you. Thank you. And um, I'm, I'm a white woman, lived here over 50 years. But I, what I learned in your show today is something I didn't learn in the national media last night when this story was told, which is what could have been said, a canvasser was willing to throw out all the votes, votes in Detroit where there were some errors, but not in Livonia where there were more errors. So the juxtaposition to me mm-hmm. is, is helpful. I mean, I think the whole thing is utterly outrageous, I mean, without that fact. But it does tell me how the narrative, I'm thinking of people all over the country, it sounds like, oh, Detroit, they can't do it again, you know. Mm-hmm. Instead of the the racism, it seems like to me, behind all this, and the willingness to ignore on one side, I have lots of friends in Livonia, a white community, and not for a less important issue in Detroit. It just goes at the heart of our original sin in this country. And I really thank you for your show and for Mr. Stabler's um, presentation last night and for all the people. But thank you for doing such a civic service and helping us realize how much work we have to do in this country. Yeah, no, I appreciate the call and the thoughts, Sue. Uh, Ned uh, Stabler is back with us. Uh, Ned, I was was, uh, trying to get you to, to talk just a little about the obligation to white America in this circumstance and and uh, the obligation to stand up and say something and insist that what's going on and what's being attempted, not just with voting rights, but with lots of other things, uh, is not okay. That We tend to think of this as a black problem and a problem for black people, which it is, but uh, it really is a white problem in so many ways, and that is where the change, in so many instances, really needs to take place. Well, I, I apologize. I, I thought you were done with me. I'm used to be a small part <laughs> of the story. Not quite yet. <laughs> I hopped off, but uh, um, you know, Stephen, I think that's that's really an important issue because that's why uh, I'm getting thousands of emails and calls right now is not because somebody called out racism, but because a privileged white person did it. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you go back to the public hearing, um, I wasn't the only person who spoke. There were hundreds of people who spoke. The majority of them were people of color. Um, but mine went viral because it's much more unusual to see a, you know, a white person, especially a, you know, big, tall, uh, white person, a white dude, <laughs> Um, you know, speaking out against the status quo that, that benefits him so greatly. Um, so if you ask what, what is the obligation of white people at this moment, it's to use that privilege, it's to use that platform to call out others. You know, uh, Ibram Kendi says that there's no middle ground, right? It's either racist or anti-racist. So you can't just say, well, I don't really know. If you're, if you're not actively fighting the racism that's present in our society, then you, you're, you're supporting it. Um, so one, you have to be actively anti-racist. 
And then the second part of it is once you get that platform. So I, you know, I went viral, whatever that means. Um, and when I picked up 30,000 Twitter followers in a few hours, <laughs> the first thing I did, and I want to say uh, state, uh, thank you to state Senator Erica Geis who suggested this was to use that platform to call out some of the people of color who were speaking like Rev- Reverend Wendell Anthony, mm-hmm. uh, who actually gave far more, in my opinion, far more eloquent speeches. But why did mine go viral? Because, you know, a black preacher ahead of the NAACP talking about racism isn't much of a story. Uh, to have a white privileged person doing it is. Yeah. So, so there's two things. Speak out against the racism and then use your, your position to lift up the voices of people of color. Yeah. Okay, Ned Stabler, president and CEO of Tech Down Detroit. Now I am done with you. <laughs> but uh, thanks right, as Steve, always for being with us. <laughs> okay, we're going to take another quick break. When we come back, we're going to take a look at a trial that is examining the efficacy of convalescent blood plasma to treat COVID-19. Yes, the pandemic is still raging and is still demanding our attention. Stay with us for more Detroit Today.